This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Awesome, guys. What a night. Um, I'm going to share very shortly, just around the heart behind the album and behind the, the message of, of Behold. I've got the uh, title is, is to worship like a son. I'm going to share a little bit about that. I'm going to be, I'm really going to be very, very short. Uh, but let me just pray before, before, we sp- before I speak. Father, thank you for the work you're already doing in our hearts tonight. And I thank you, God, that you don't need somebody to preach a sermon to, to speak into our hearts, God, that your spirit is here to speak, God, and your word, Lord is like a double-edged sword that cuts. And we just pray, God, that by your Spirit, you'd come and cut at our hearts. Circumcise our hearts, Lord. Turn our eyes, turn our attention, our, our focus to you, and to what you want to do right now in this moment, God. We, we know there's a certain grace, God, for what you're wanting to do tonight, and we don't want to miss it. So we pray, God, for the grace to catch what you want us to catch tonight, God. This is not about the message of an album, God, but this is the word that you're speaking into our hearts, Lord, to to behold you. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you're the one who gives us the capacity to behold God. We just invite you, Lord, to have your way in this place. We honor you. We honor your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, everyone. So, I want to chat very quickly about what it means to, to behold. And the, the title of our album, Behold, it comes from the song that we sang at the end, Behold the Lamb. That song actually started in, in free worship in Shofar, Cape Town. Uh, a friend of mine, Greg Boy, he is also one of the songwriters and he plays electric and he sings on the album. And he was leading worship the one night and just in sort of spontaneous moments, they started, the church started singing over and over, Behold the Lamb who takes away our sin. Behold the Lamb who takes away our sin. And thankfully, the sound guy was on point that night, and he had his phone, and he hit record um, just to to kind of catch a, vo- a voice note, and Greg sent that to me, and we started working on the song. Um, but that line, Behold the Lamb who takes away our sin, it comes from uh, the first chapter of John, basically where John the Baptist, he's He's in the wilderness and he's preaching and he's baptizing and he's preparing the way for God. He's preparing the way for the Messiah. He's preaching repentance. And then at one point, one day, he sees Jesus coming towards him. And he says, behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. So that's where the, the name of that, that song came from. And when we're speaking about beholding, obviously we're speaking about look, see, recognize, take notice. We, we're speaking about seeing and obviously we're speaking about seeing God and I think sometimes it, it can be a bit of a confusing thing for, thing for us to, to, to really know you know what does it mean to see God especially those I never remember which is left brain and which is right brain but you know as, as Jason said earlier the, the more cerebral ones amongst us you know we, we struggle what does it mean to see God how can I see God and I think part of the reason it's confusing is because the truth is we can't really see God in his fullness on this side of eternity. And in fact, no human can see God 
on this side of eternity. If, if we had to see him in his fullness, we would die in his presence. Our, our bodies cannot contain, uh, we wouldn't be able to stand before someone so holy and so glorious. But there are people throughout scripture, and I love seeing whenever scripture mentions somebody who saw God, and they, they maybe didn't see the fullness of him, maybe they saw a glimpse of him. Maybe they saw a vision of him. And it's always interesting for me to, to see what was, what was their response when they saw God. And it's up there on the, on the slides. When Moses saw God, when he encountered God in the burning bush, he hid his face because he was afraid to look at him. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he has this awesome vision of God. He sees the throne room of God and he sees the angels that are crying out, holy, holy, holy. He sees this victorious king. And suddenly he's just aware, he's overwhelmed by his uncleanness. I'm unclean, woe is me. I'm unclean and I come from a people who are unclean. Job, you know, he has his whole kind of debate with God where God asks some questions that he doesn't really know how to answer. And at the end of Job, he says, my, my ears have heard, but now my eyes have seen. And it says that Job despises himself and he repents in dust and ashes. Ezekiel also has a vision of God, this awesome vision, just of something like the glory of God. And he falls prostrate on the ground with his face to the ground. Daniel also sees a vision. He collapses, he faints basically before God. And then John, he, he sees this vision in Revelation. He sees a vision of the ascended Christ. He sees Christ with the, the hair as white as, as wool and eyes of fire, those, those eyes that we sang of tonight. He sees this vision of him, and he falls as if dead at his feet. And so, on the one hand, when we, when we look at Scripture, when we look at the response when people see God, we, we see a very real fear, right? And that fear is, is just an understanding of God's holiness and God's glory, an understanding when we, when we truly see him, we're suddenly aware of who he is, and how inadequate we are in his presence if we come based on our own merit. And yet that's the heart of the gospel. It's the fact that God is a father who invites us to see him. God is a father who made a way where we could make no way. So that we could know him. He invites us. He gives us access into his very presence to see him and to know him. I love the way... Uh, the Apostle Paul in, um, in Ephesians, in this letter to the Ephesians, he, he writes about our spiritual eyes that need to be opened. All of us, we have spiritual eyes that need to be opened. Let's actually read that together. It's in the first chapter of Ephesians. He prays this amazing prayer. If you ever don't know what to pray for somebody, pray the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's the spirit. The spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He allows us to know God, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. In other words, having, having the eyes of your heart opened to be able to, to see. And what should we see? To know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? We have a glorious inheritance. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? So we see that we, we have these eyes 
of our heart, not our physical eyes that Scripture is speaking about, eyes of our heart that need to be open, and it, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Elsewhere in, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul's also speaking, and he, he speaks about the fact that, you know, um, before Jesus came, the, the Jews, they, they knew the law, but there was like a, a veil that was over them. There was a veil over their minds which prevented them from, from truly seeing God and from, and from truly knowing Him. But then he says, now there's a grace for, for everybody who turns to the Lord. We, we can see God. We're, we're looking with unveiled face. He says, we're all with unveiled face. We're beholding the glory of the Lord. We're seeing the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And how does this happen? This comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's an invitation for every one of us to see God and to know God. And I don't know about you, but when I experience my kind of spiritual eyes, when I, when I look at God and I catch a glimpse of Him, I, I always realize just how little I actually see Him, you know, how little I actually know Him. And it just burn, creates this burning desire to see Him and to, to know Him more. And so that's why when we're beholding him, it's like we get transformed into the same image What by from one degree of glory to another. The more we see him, the more we know him, the more we want to be like him. But the reality is there's a war that is going on for our attention. There's a constant war that is going on for your affection. And it's something that starts the moment you wake up. <laughs> and it continues when you're on your way to class or to work. When you come home in the evenings and you've got a choice of what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to do with your night? There's a war on for our attention and for our affection. And on one hand, it's the, this war is kind of waged from, from all sides because... There's, you know, there's the distractions and the things of this world, you know, the, the lusts of the flesh and our desire for power or for money or for stature or for comfort. These things that kind of draw our attention and draw our hearts away from God. But there's even the, the good things that distract us, right? You know, relationships, good relationships and gifts that God gives us. And they in themselves, they're, they're good things. But so many times our hearts turn away from God, from the giver of the things, to the things themselves. And so we live distracted lives. We live busy lives. I find like nine times out of ten, if I, if I speak to somebody and ask them, how are you doing? Their answer will be what? Busy. How <laughs> good in you, you know. And then after... <laughs> of the good in you, busy. I find myself saying it as well. Even when I'm not that busy, I'll say I, I'm busy. It's not healthy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if we, we feel like we need to say we're busy as a sign that I'm, I'm succeeding, I'm going places in life, you know. Uh, I've got stuff to do and I've got places to be, so I'm busy. But we live these busy, distracted lives and we numb out Real relationship with God and real relationship with one another. Because we're busy and because we're distracted. 
we even get distracted by our, our circumstances, especially when things aren't aren't going our, our way. You know, when things are, are really rough. And Asisa shared a little bit of of her story tonight, and she sang that song. And in fact, so many of the songs on the album actually came out of a a very difficult place. For some of the songwriters, it was you know standing in faith for a promise that God had given, but it's just not coming through, and it's not coming through. But God is still worthy of our worship in that place. Some people experiencing immense pain, even in some cases trauma that is tough to deal with. You know, life happens, the difficult questions of life. And then still being able to say, God, you are worthy. I will still worship you in this. So that's where we we have songs like we bring our praise. We bring an offering of praise to you. Our circumstances don't determine what's due through joy and tragedy. God, you're faithful and you're true. We bring our praise to you. Because the the invitation in the midst of our difficult circumstances, is it still stands. God invites us to behold him. He invites us to know him and to see him in the midst of that. Also, you are the potter, which um, the sister saying tonight, that second verse always smashes me over the head. So I will not be ashamed. No, I'll not be disappointed in this life you give in both pain and joy because you are just. God is just. Even throughout this project, for me personally, you know, um, kind of overseeing things with the with the album, there were so many opportunities for, for, for me to give in to some kind of fear of something not working out or something not coming together or difficult relationships or whatever the, the case was. And the answer was always the same. God telling me, James, behold, come, look to me, fix your eyes on me, not on the things that are going wrong, fix your eyes on me. And I mean, that's, that is the words of, of the song that we, we sang tonight as well, fix our eyes. And go to that bridge. It says, we fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on you. You're holding our complete attention. I didn't write that line three times because I didn't know what other words to put in there. (laughs) But who would agree with me that if we pray that prayer once, it's not like, okay, God, I fix my eyes on you. Bam. Sorted. Awesome. Go my way. We need to continually remind ourselves God, I fix my eyes on you. Not to be distracted by everything else that wants to consume our attention and our affection. And of course, the line comes from Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite scriptures. I'm probably going to write as many songs as I can from the same three lines. Um, But it's just so powerful. You know, the writer to the Hebrews, he, he speaks of this cloud of witnesses, all these amazing men and women of God who've gone before us, who have um, stood in, who stood in faith for things, for God's promises. Sometimes they didn't even see them come to pass. In fact, most times they didn't see them come to pass. These amazing witnesses that are standing, watching us. We are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. So let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, those distractions. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him 
who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. How do we not grow weary and faint-hearted? We consider him. We behold him. We see him. We remember who he is. We remember what he's done. And so that's the message of, of beholders, is to, to learn to behold God and to behold him in his word and to behold him with the eyes of the spirit. You know, the, the, the word of God is the foundation of our beholding. And, and that was, that's the reason why when it came to the songwriting, we, we just, we wanted to saturate as many of the songs as we, or the songs with as much scripture as we could. Because we can't really worship God unless we know who he is for who he is, unless we know who he is in scripture. And the thing is, I mean, scripture is just so mind-blowing. Like, if you think of a concept like God's love, like in my own mind, I can I can try to come up with a definition of love and it might be great and it might be all amazing. But when you go and see the love of God in scripture, it's just so much greater. It's so much better than anything I could imagine. Or his holiness, or his glory. As glorious as I think he is, as powerful as I could imagine him to be. If you look in scripture, he's just infinitely more powerful. We need to know him according to the word of God. And all of us come with our cultural baggages, you know. Maybe you grew up with gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Or maybe you grew up with angry Jesus. He just wants to punish your sin, you know. But we need to allow the word of God to transform how we see God. And that happens by the Spirit. As we behold Him, it's the Spirit who transforms us. As we behold Him, as we look to Him, as we see Him, 2 Corinthians 3 said, that we're transformed into the same image. We become more like Christ. It's something that the Spirit does in our hearts. And it's, it's only when we behold Him that we actually truly get a sense of who we are. We cannot... Truly know who we are outside of knowing God. If you're here tonight and you're on a journey, a desire to know who am I, it's one of life's big questions. I want to say to you, you cannot know yourself outside of knowing God. Because it's the Spirit of God who speaks the truth into our hearts of who we really are. And so who are we? When we turn to Him, when we are when our lives are hidden in Christ. When we are saved, then Romans 8 says, You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Church, we are sons. And this applies to the woman as well, by the way. Obviously, biblical context of sons. And so that's my, my, my final encouragement to, to every one of us. It's just a line that God dropped into my heart over the, somewhere over the last year as I was working on this project is worship like a son. Worship like a son. As I said, it, it's, it's one of the biggest questions in life is like, who am I? Where, where do I fit in in the grand scheme of things? And maybe take a moment to think, if I had to ask you, Tell me about yourself. What would be one of the first things that you would say to me? I'd ask you, tell me, besides your name, tell me about yourself. I think so many times it would be, you know, where we come from. 
or where we stay or what we do for a living. You know, I'm an engineer or I'm a student or I'm a mother or whatever. And yet we don't bring our identity as students or engineers or accountants or whatever into God's presence. We come as sons. That's how we come. That's how we approach the Father. It's not by our identity and what we do. It's according to our sonship. We're adopted. We belong to Him. And a son, I really believe this is for somebody here tonight, a son doesn't wonder whether they are welcome in their father's presence. You know, maybe we, we had a bad example of a father who didn't want us in his presence, but God the Father, the Father of lights, the perfect Father, wants to say to us, if we are hidden in Christ, we never have to wonder whether we are welcome in his presence. You are always welcome in his presence. And that just, that's a game changer because then, you know, success or failure according to the world standard of success or failure, that that does nothing to add or remove from our status as sons. We still remain sons. And I just think this is so amazing about God is that he doesn't just stop with salvation, you know. Salvation is just so beautiful. It's so incredible. It's so great. The fact that God saw us in our sin and in our shame. He saw us in our mess on the floor. Absolutely without any hope. And he picked us up. And he cleaned us. He cleaned us off. And he, he gave us a hope and he gave us a future. But he didn't just do that. He didn't just clean us and then say, all right, there you go. He cleaned us. And then he said, now you're mine. You belong to me. I'm yours. You are mine. He doesn't just save us, but he adopts us as sons. One of my favorite lines in, in, on, on all the songs is a very simple one. It's in the song Holy. It's in the second verse. It says, no longer striving in grace now abiding. We're surrendered at your feet. Church, it's time to lay aside striving. We cannot enter God's presence on our own merit. We come by the blood of Jesus. We come as sons and we are welcome in his presence. Lay aside striving. Come as a son. Come and behold him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to see him. Later in that song, uh, we sing, as you are holy, so make us holy. So we, we recognize God's holiness. We recognize how absolutely inadequate we are in our own, according to our own qualifications. But we're not coming to him according to our own qualifications. We're coming by the blood of Christ. I want to read one more scripture. The band can come up so long. This is just an encouragement for all of us. And then we're going to just respond in that song, Holy to sing that to God. Just allow the truth of this, of this, maybe close your eyes even, and just allow the truth of this to really be established in your heart. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We can, we can draw near with a true heart tonight. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.